And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real, you're already working hard to earn your money, but how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Saturday, December 11th. This weekend, we've got a cool two-part interview with the founder and CEO of a company called Arrived. What is Arrived? Well, I'm glad that you asked because this is a way to invest in real estate with fractional ownership. And I'm going to let Ryan give you the the rundown. The CEO's name, Ryan Frazier. The company is called Arrived, and we're going to talk a little bit about how this concept developed. Here is our interview with Ryan Frazier of Arrived. So let's start with this. What the heck is Arrived and how did this business come to fruition? So really arrived is basically the easiest way to invest in rental homes. And I think when we looked at investing in homes today, where you have these large down payments, where you're buying a whole house all at once, and then you're responsible for everything behind the scenes, it's such a high hurdle to, to make that decision. And so what we've done is, is really created a way for people to buy shares of individual homes. So whether you have you know, $100 to $10 or $20,000 that you want to invest in individual houses, you can buy shares through Arrived. And then we take care of all of the responsibility. Um, so there's no personal liability for, let's say, a mortgage or any of the tenants. And really, it's all about just making it easier for people to start investing in rental properties, start building wealth through, through real estate. So let me ask you how this process would compare to someone just going out and finding a rental property for him or herself. You know, I hear from the, from people all the time. They're really psyched about trying to get involved in the rental market, trying to create passive income. Why is this a better model for those kinds of people? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of reasons why you might look at Arrive versus doing it on your own and, and buying a home yourself. A big part of that equation is, you know, where are you based in the country? Are you even living in a, a rental market that is a great market for investing in, in real estate? You know, Historically, investing in, in real estate has been such a local business. Um, what we've seen now is that really you can invest across the country. And, and with Arrived, 
the experience is very much kind of like browsing Zillow, where you browse homes that are available anywhere in the country and you can buy shares really with any amount of money that you want to invest in that specific house. I think the cool thing about what we're seeing from our clients is the, the kind of lowering the barrier of entry from these large down payments to these kind of uh, smaller minimum investment amounts per house is really about giving people uh, more control and the ability to diversify. Uh, you don't have to you know, build up all this money to put it in one house. You can put that same amount of capital into 100 houses in different markets um, and really get that diversification while still having the same ownership experience. It's almost like this model, just to break it down into its almost simplistic terms, is you're sort of taking this idea of like what the big private equity firms did, like Blackstone after the financial crisis and the housing boom and bust, went into all these places, gobbled up a lot of properties and then held on to them. They didn't flip them. They held on to them and rented them out. And by the way, it came under a lot of criticism for that, right? Because they were kind of squeezing out the mom and pops and um, gobbling up so much real estate that the rents were above market. Is that kind of your model essentially, or is there a nicer touch to this than the evil private equity model? So, I mean, when we think about the private equity that's in entering residential homes today, I think what's changed is that, you know, managing mass managing houses and, and rental properties has gotten a lot easier. Uh, the payments processes have improved. Um, the access to services in different markets, whether that's property management or national title and escrow, you know, these things have made it easier for people to manage properties across the country. And really, we see, you know, Rive's mission as kind of taking those same methodologies and, and strategies that have been used by these large individ, uh, institutional investors and making it easy for everyday investors to also participate in that same way uh, so that they can you know, really benefit from the wealth creation that's happening and has happened uh, you know, in this country through, through real estate at an earlier point in their life. I think for a lot of people, the idea of owning rental properties is something they kind of want to do at some point in the future, but that point is always a bit further out you know, because of uh, the commitments, the time commitments, the capital. And so yeah, we, we really hope that we can bring that same model to really anyone uh, that, that wants to participate. And I guess that there's also one other aspect of this is it's sort of like a, a pooled investment, sort of like a mutual fund. Um, what would be the difference of doing this versus buying a real estate investment trust that is inside of your retirement account? Real estate investment trusts or, or REITs, they are really built more for kind of institutional investors, investment advisors, and, and kind of getting exposure to uh, real estate as an asset class. The majority of those real estate investment trusts, when people think about that as a category, are thinking public REITs. The kind of difference there is that those public REITs are highly correlated to the stock market. And so you start to lose some of the benefits of private real estate. And so, you, for example, we pay out dividends quarterly. And our last quarter's dividends were, uh, depending on where you're investing in the country, let's say between 55 to 7.5%. If you look at public REITs, that starts to get closer to one8 to 2%. And that's, I think, the efficiency of public markets. You can't really protect those yields. And right now, when you know it's very hard to find these long-term high-yielding assets because of where interest rates are at today, that makes you know real estate or private real estate really attractive. 
And then you also can be closer to the asset from an appreciation potential. You know, ultimately you're an equity holder in the house and not just a stockholder that might trade based on sentiment or where people might be thinking interest rates are heading. Um, so you get more of that stability uh, by being close to the asset. And that's really what we're trying to do is kind of recreate the, the direct ownership of real estate and that experience, you know, without a lot of the work involved. Yeah. Without getting a phone call at midnight saying your pipes exploded and uh, where the heck is the plumber? So let's go back a little bit also and and tell me about how you formed the business, because there's a couple of big names behind you. So I want to get back into the, the user experience, but let's talk about the formation of this business you know, are you buddies with Mark Benioff or, or what? How'd this happen? Yeah. So the, the origin of the business, if we kind of go way back, um, just even to my personal experience with, you know, home ownership and, and housing, you know, I, I grew up in Arkansas. Uh, most of my career has been on, as an entrepreneur, kind of one long seven or eight year startup journey. And now uh, a new company here with Arrived. And through that process, just moved around a lot. We moved uh, after college as we started the company. We moved to the Bay Area to be close to investors. Our business got acquired and we moved to Seattle. That's where I'm at now. It just seemed like every few years we were moving and we wanted to have ownership of homes and start investing, but we were never in the same place long enough to be able to do that. And we didn't know for sure what that might look like. And I think more and more we're seeing that. You know, people are very willing to move across the country. We're seeing it even more so now over the last 18 months as people have started migrating to new areas of the country during COVID. You know, I think generally that's a theme that we'll see continue. That really had got me thinking of like, what does the future of you know, ownership of homes look like when people don't necessarily want to be tied down to the current cities or things or places that they're living? And, you know, thinking about, you know, why, why is ownership, why does it exist today where you're putting these large down payments, you're sticking it all in one asset, you know, why can't you own 1% of a hundred homes? And that started this journey for Arrived. And really it was, you know, almost a year of uh, kind of customer discovery, testing different models, really figuring out what people wanted. And I think that what we realized pretty quickly is that for the majority of, of people, real estate is really closely linked to homes. And what we had seen in the previous kind of wave of um, real estate investing, because I think, you know, over the last five, six, seven years, we have seen more uh, real estate crowdfunding companies start to emerge. We've seen more of that, uh, but they had focused more on the commercial side, more blind pool funds, um, even real estate debt, things that are more uh, traditional you know, investment types for institutional investors and bringing those to retail investors. I think we realized that what was missing was you know, investing in, in homes and, and rental homes. As we started to figure that out, we started a, a process with the, the SEC, the, the US Securities and Exchange Commission, to create this model. Because anytime you're talking about retail investors, investing in an asset class and fractionalizing that asset class. Now it's a security. And so we went through a year long process with them as well to qualify this. Really at that point, I think we launched in April of this year, became you know the first and only company that can sell shares of individual homes to retail and investors. And so it was exciting to kind of go through that journey as a personal experience, kind of wanting this product for myself to testing the concept, to realizing that, wow, there's a large regulatory lift here to actually create this product, which as a startup, 
you don't really want to, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not as conducive to uh, speed of innovation, but that's, that's how we got here and, and happy to share more of kind of the path from there. But that's, that was the kind of origination. Talk to me about how Benioff and Bezos get involved. So we, I mentioned that we got qualification uh, with the SEC in April and we weren't sure how quickly the product would resonate with consumers. You know, the idea of buying a share of a house. And really, people got it very quickly. I mean, our houses were selling out within 24 hours. And consistently since then, that has continued to happen. Basically, all of our houses are selling out in less than a day. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we realized very quickly that there was, you know, something here. Like, it was resonating. I think we're benefiting a bit from um, the kind of last wave of the Robin Hood movement and fractionalizing of stocks. Once we saw that traction is when we decided to you know, raise venture capital for the company. We raised about $10 million in equity for the company. And then we have a, a large credit facility to facilitate acquiring homes. And it was led by a core innovation capital, which is a very mission aligned venture capital fund focused on access to broad access to consumer financial services. Bezos and, and Mark Benioff as well as Spencer Raskoff, who's the former CEO and founder of uh, Zillow, you know, participated in that round. And yeah, we were really fortunate to have them involved. Um, the founders of Warby Parker, Harry's, and Allbirds. You know, when you look at who's investing in the business and and really who uh, we're partnering with there, what's exciting about it is these are all founders and, and CEOs that have really kind of defined these categories in their own respective industries. And I think in speaking with them and and showing them kind of the early traction that we saw, I think they believe there is an opportunity for a new category for consumer investing in homes that we could help fill. That's really, I think, what got them excited. What has us excited about partnering with them is, you know, really they've all built great consumer brands, really strong brands that, you know, solve problems for consumers, add value. Um, and that's really what we ultimately want to kind of learn from and, and be able to do for Arrived. So how does Arrived make money? For example, if I buy a REIT or a mutual fund, any sort of pooled investment, there's a management fee. Is there an articulated management fee in each of these projects or across the board in general? Yes. So fee transparency is very important to us. Um, there is a asset management fee. So it's 1% uh, per year of the equity that's invested. And that's okay. an ongoing management fee. And then we also make money really around the real estate transaction. When we buy a home and prepare it for investment, and then you know investors come and, and buy those shares, we make about let's call it uh, a few percentage of the of the total price of the home, half of which is paid by the original property seller. So it's a, a real estate agent uh, commission, essentially a rebate that we get back on that on closing that. And then the other is a fee that is covered in the um, basically the cost of the house that gets paid when investors invest. So we have that upfront fee as well for facilitating the transaction. And then we have that ongoing asset management fee. You got to pay a fee to get in, which is unlike owning real estate directly. So that makes sense. Like a lot of people pay a property management fee if they don't want to actually deal with managing their own rental real estate. And you would obviously participate in some any sort of appreciation. Most real estate, like the downside of rental real estate can often be 
that it's just not liquid. You know, even if you have great price appreciation, there's tax ramifications. So I have two questions for you. One is, how easy is it for me to get out of my arrived investment once I make it? And number two is the what are the tax consequences? I imagine, you know, if a property is sold, does the person who is invested in the property get a share of the capital gains or how how is that managed? Uh, kind of two things there. We'll talk about how investors kind of make money. One is after they invest, the, the kind of collective investors become the sole equity owners of an LLC that owns the house. And right now, each house has around, let's say, 65% uh, of a long-term mortgage. And that's really to give investors the kind of benefits of positive leverage on the yield, on the cash flow, and on appreciation potential. And then you know, the remainder is investors that have invested. But they basically have the full economics of that house. And so we pay out the rental income after any expenses on a quarterly basis as a dividend. Um, and you know, investors right now are getting five and a half to seven, seven and a half percent on those on an annualized basis from the dividend. And then they get any of the future appreciation of the property as well when we sell the home. And we are really thinking about these as very long-term investments. I mean, that is what works best for real estate. And so we are acquiring homes with at least a five to seven year kind of hold in mind for that property for you know, investors to kind of get the full benefit of, of appreciation. And depending on the markets, I mean, the and the leveraged appreciation, you know, it can be double digits on an annualized basis when you look at the historical data. And so that combined combined with the dividend yields is really what drives that return. That said, you know, we know investors may want to get their money out earlier. And part of our the regulatory structure is that these are public offerings. They're essentially mini IPOs. And so that means that the shares can also be free trading. So we're working on now next year launching a, a secondary kind of market that would make it easier for folks to to get liquidity during trading windows throughout the year if they if they would like to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still working out the the specifics of that, but the idea is that yeah, as we as we grow kind of the the portfolio of homes, we offer them through, you know, our IPO process, the original issuancy, but then, you know, investors could have that option to buy and sell from each other uh, through the platform without going through the full process of selling the property. You know, look, we're sort of in this strange period in the housing market, which is there's just not a lot of supply. So how many properties do you guys own right now? So we have acquired so far um, this year about $20 million worth of, of rental properties across 12 cities. And really, we've spent the last four to six months um, after we've launched on expanding our market footprint, because we know that you know, investors are wanting to diversify in multiple cities. And so we really want to make that possible for them. But expanding that footprint also helps with the acquisition side where you're right. It is a very competitive market right now. So having that market diversification also means that we have more places that we can go to buy. And our view is, you know, we want to buy the best homes uh, that meet these models in each market and we want to be really selective. And so that that's helped us there. So how many um, properties is 20 million represent? How many actual properties? Yeah, I think that's something, you know, 75 or so properties. 75 properties. What are you going to do in order to scale this model 
I mean, you need hundreds, if not thousands of properties to really make this work. So what, what's your, what's your goal? How many properties do you want by the end of this year and next year? It's a great question. And, and I think that, you know, when we think about where we're headed, you know, you're right. There, there is a ton of demand and interest in investing in, in rental properties. And today, you know, I think over 16 million single family homes are owned just by mom and pop owners of, of rental properties. So when you think about the potential, the, the majority, um, over 95% of rental houses are owned by mom and pop owners today. And then you think about the fact that, oh, they have no support. They're, they're fully responsible for those homes. They're, you know, almost half of them are self-managing. And then you think about, well, what does the next generation of mom and pop owners of, of rental properties look like? That's people like me. What, what is that going to look like for me? And I really think it's going to be, you know, remote. I think people are going to want to invest you know, in different areas of the country. I think they're going to want to do it in a managed way where they're not totally responsible for everything and kind of have it as a passive investment. And so that's really who we're trying to serve is, is kind of that next generation that's owning, you know, rental homes today. Okay, that's it for the day. Uh, tomorrow, we will continue this conversation with Ryan Frazier. If you're interested, you can go check out their website for Arrived. We have nothing to do with this, no sponsorship, just telling you if you want to check it out. It's arrivedhomes.com, so you can check that out. As always, we are very grateful that you listen. If you've got a financial question, if you're thinking about investing in real estate, then send us a note. Go to our website, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact button. We'll get your message. Let us know if you want to come on the air. We'd love to have you on the air. And don't forget to subscribe to our sister broadcast. It is called Eye on Money. Okay, do something nice for someone else today. Grit, growth, grace. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. 